Hey folks, I'm here today to tell you about Visible. Something unfortunate about wireless services, what you see isn't always what you get. But with Visible, what you see is what you get. No perception check required. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month, taxes and fees included. If you're looking for a carrier that is upfront with no hidden fees, then go to Visible.com to make the switch. You don't need more than one line of wireless to save, and you're going to be getting unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Visible is the wireless carrier that's constantly operating from a zone of truth. In their quest for total transparency, Visible wants you to know the monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the role of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is now what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts. Hey everybody, welcome to the Dungeon Cast. I'm Brian. And I'm Will. This is the podcast where we talk about everything Dungeons and Dragons, from ludicrous languages to legendary liches. And today we're talking about Leonin. Hey, Brian. Hey, Will. How you doing today? It's a new year. It is we a new year. got a new theme. Did it uh, last week. We did do it last week. Sort of. Yeah. Uh, it's been a long time since we've uh, covered a race on the show. Yeah. And since the release of Mythic Odysseys of Theros this last year, I've been wanting to and decided that it's about time we start covering a lot of the more recently released topics, considering how many of the classic topics we've talked about up to this point. Yes. New content. Yes. I like so, it. So... As well as Year of the Holder, I want this year to be a year where we catch up on all the stuff we missed. So Ravnica, Theros, Eberron, Tasha's, and whatever new source books come out will get a much higher priority than they have been thus far. Yeah, we've covered a lot of the basics on this show at this mm-hmm. point. We've covered the dragons. We've covered the, the giants. giants. We've, come in, we've we're, covered we're the, blood, the, the blood war, yeah, and we will yeah, continue to do we'll so. We will continue to do so. Updates <laughs> on the blood war here at the Dungeon Cast. This, uh, we do like Year <laughs> of the Dragon, but it's all inside of Year uh, uh, Forever of the the blood war <laughs> yeah forever century of the blood war century of the um, blood war there's just so much to talk about uh with this game that even after 200 plus episodes i feel like we've barely scratched the surface so without further ado let us dive into the leonin all right so the leonin is a new race to dungeons and dragons uh canonically exclusive to the magic gathering setting of theros mm. theros is a high magic setting heavily inspired by the stories of greek mythology it is a world of gods and monsters of heroes and legends and of journey and destiny this may be my new favorite setting and has inspired me to develop my own uh, setting based on mythos of the ancient world. 
but I digress. Uh, today we are focusing specifically on the Leonin, but unavoidably uh, context about these guys will need to be explained as well since we've kind of not talked about Theros at all. There's so much, they're so instilled into the setting that there's a lot of it that will just need to be explained. So this will be like a Theros mini, mini yeah. Alice Exteris so sort much, of. Much like how we tackle Leberon, as we detail out each new topic from the setting, the bigger picture of set setting, said exactly. setting will be made clearer. Yeah. Depending on what you talk about in Eberron, you it, need to know about the world. Exactly. The world is so tied to yeah. all the stuff in it. And it really worked out to do like all the Eberron races and classes and stuff and then do an Eberron episode. Okay, so, yeah. yeah. I mean, you can do like artificer, artificer. Um, you can do. Yeah. Oh, you can do that, that one on solo. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, Leonin are nomadic, lion-like humanoids that both guard and roam freely about the shining lands of Oreskos, an immense golden plain where the gods of Theros rarely trespass, and their home. Reclusive and distrusting of other races, Leonin rarely interact with other peoples, having all they need in their shimmering homeland and knowing the treachery of strangers. There's a lot of distrust when it comes to the Leonin. Okay. Still, some Leonin wonder what lies beyond Oreskos' border mountains and seek to test themselves in a wider world. So there's your explanation of like why they might become adventurers it's and so, leave this place. <laughs> it's so weird to have to tack a caveat onto like yeah. a, why this race would actually do this thing that the game is based You're around. Right, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, for sure. Uh, Adventures are spectacular, uh, rare individuals, I guess. Yes, absolutely. Okay. So Leonin are noble and fierce creatures in both appearance and in behavior. Uh, Leonin tend to be tall compared to most humans, averaging between six and seven feet in height. Naturally strong and made even more so by their nomadic athletic lifestyle, Leonin move with a boldness that suggests their physical might. Tawny fur covers Leonin bodies, and some grow thick manes ranging in shades from gold to black. Mm. Leonin are also armed with natural weapons due to their retractable feline claws, which they can extend instantaneously whenever need arises. Okay. Their most famed ability is, without a doubt, their ability to produce bone-shaking roars that can be heard from great distances and shake fear into even the bravest of souls, be they warriors or beasts. I like This is like slamming the tabaxi together with the goliath. A little bit, yeah. This is like a big buffed tabaxi. Um, the lion, the the roar thing is cool because lions do have an infamously loud roar. Yes. Is this like, going to be a mechanical thing? It is a mechanical uh, thing. okay. It's I'm basically like, like a dragon fear kind of thing. It's I, a, it's I like a, that. It's a roar of fear, if you Sweet. will. Sweet. Yeah. Just produce some fear on your turn. Exactly. exactly. You just produce fear because you're so damn uh, intimidating. It's like tail or breath weapon kind of esque in its usage. But yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. kind of. Um, because I think in real life, a lion's roar can be heard up to five miles away. Hey, man. So, yeah, that's where they got it from. You want to fucking fact check us? Yeah. Get in the comments. <laughs> no, it is It is about five miles a ducks, away. Uh, a duck's quack does echo. I mean, why wouldn't it? I don't know. Oh, is that like a... That's like a thing, a, a myth. Oh, uh, the, why? The duck's quack why would it echo. not? I don't know. Interesting. I don't fucking know. <laughs> okay, anyways. That's like a thing, though. Or it was. I don't know. It was a thing. Yeah. Gotcha. Most Leonin carry themselves with an air that readily shifts between regal and fearsome. They often act with extreme confidence, which has given them a reputation for imperiousness and arrogance. While being so self-assured can be reassuring to their allies, it can also suggest defiance in the face of what they perceive as imposed authority or unworthy experts. Some Leonins are Karens, it would <laughs> What <seem>. the... <laughs> I was going to say, like, this this persona, this, uh-huh. like, um, this... I don't know if you call it a stereotype. Like the way they're writing this character, the the character of the Leonin, it's like a Disney character almost. Like yeah, yeah. I, we I need a that. lion man. He's got to act a like this. Man. He's got to act like a lion. You know, pride. Yeah, yeah pride. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, honestly, uh, with a lot of like the extreme confidence, the imperiousness, and arrogance, it reminds me very much of D'Artagnan. Uh, oh yeah, the way yeah, he yeah. would act. Yeah. And yeah, it was a difficult line to walk because he was so self assured. Uh, I think 
it was easy to just follow his lead, but at the same time, he definitely was abrasive as fuck and like difficult to deal with. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Um, often others perceive Leonin or Leonin as quick to take offense, intolerant of criticisms or belligerent. And though this is as true for them as any other humanoid race, the truth is that many Leonins simply enjoy fighting, whether verbal or physical. Okay. They take pleasure in argument, wrestling, sparring, and even battle, enjoying the opportunity to exercise their minds and bodies. It follows, too, that Leonin aren't inclined to carry grudges. A warrior might react with sudden violence to an insult, but when the fight is over and the Leonin's superiority is proven, or maybe it's not, I don't know, right. the insult is forgotten along with the vanquished foe. The insult, too, huh? That's yeah. cool. Yeah. Watching a lot of uh, Hamilton. Um, oh yeah, you know the, they the just duel. shoot fools. Yeah. yeah. Just... <laughs> um, now this reminds me very much of the Stormlight Archive, which I know is a series you haven't read, where there is a nation of people that acts very much like this, the Alethi. Everything to them is a competition, and any chance for a spar or duel, whether it be physical or battle of wits, is like straight relished. It's just ingrained in the culture. And it's simply a deep-seated part of their culture, but as such, it is difficult for certain characters with completely different cultural backgrounds to completely be comfortable with Alethi customs because it's so combative all the time. Yeah, I, um, I like I like this a lot. Yeah. Kind of just like we did it, I'm the best, or I'm not, and we drop it, and yeah. next time is next time. Exactly. That that's uh, I, I they taught that to me in middle school that Greeks were like like that in their competitiveness. Like you are the best today. Yeah, and like you won this competition, right? 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 So right? We do a hard reset and for the th- next. That one. is a really cool like uh, cultural quirk to to lean in. What I also like though is like the fact that like they will hop on any moment to debate. They will hop on any moment to argue. They will hop on any moment to do a spar. Because then you get the potential they, to put that badge on your chest yeah, and then they, move on. They relish it as a moment to to be better and to improve themselves, which is just like the Alethi from Stormlight Archive. Nice. So. Speaking of deep-seated customs, both Leonin pride and emphasis on self-reliance is a result of Leonin history. Very few Leonin devote themselves to the service of the gods. Long ago, the Leonin worshipped the same gods that humans do, but after many of their prides suffered depravities at the hands of the Archon tyrant Agnomachos, uh, most Leonin came to reject the gods. It's not that they deny the existence of deities. They merely see the gods as mercurial and ultimately unworthy of adoration. Whoa. Okay. So, brief explanation time. Archons are a form of celestial humanoids in Theros that once ruled all the known lands. Agnomachos was the most notable of their tyrants who in ancient times held a massive empire. The Archons tyrannized the world in the belief that they were imposing a strict order and justice that befitted all. Mm. Um, kind of like self-righteous, benevolent tyrants, if you will. Except yeah. Except was a total dick. Right. Agnomachos <laughs> used the Leonin as his own personal army and ruled a particularly brutal regime that extended into the mountains in the north and the forests in the east, using the pretext of a war against the giants. Eventually, the Archon Empire fell, being replaced instead by the current city-states. But before the Empire fell, many Leonin suffered under the rule of the Archons and at the whim of fickle gods, a grim history that taught them well-remembered lessons about trusting strangers or relying on deities. So now the Leonin rely on themselves and their prides and are fairly xenophobic towards others. Okay. So this goes back to, like, they stick to Orinescos, they don't really leave, they love it here, and they don't like people when they come here either. They're about that old life. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Um... Now let's talk a little bit about the home of the Leonin, um, Oreskos. A vast valley of dry grasslands nestled between... Oh, God, these names. Nestled between... Katachthon. and <laughs> Oraniad or- or- Mountains. Okay. <laughs> Oreskos is an idyllic home uh, of the Leonin. Here roam vast herds of not horned 
gazelles, flocks of elephant birds, and prides of lean lions, and a menagerie of other beasts. Predatory griffins and manticores regularly range over the region's grassy seas. Oh, shit. So it's like really <laughs> lush savanna. This yeah. is what I, like, not not like, you know, an African savanna, like, it can be lush at certain times of the year, but it's also really dry and sparse. Yeah, most ways. of the time it's like a, a thirsty death trap. Yeah, this I picture is like, no, this is grasslands, but it's super lush all year round. Okay. That's so how the, I that's The how pickings I be it. thick. <laughs> yes, absolutely. All right. So thick that manticores are flying over this bad and beast. And griffins. They just chill here. Yeah. yeah. And I'm sure the leanins hunt them and eat them. It's just like... A crazy food chain where there's all so much to eat. You just got to kill it. You got to kill a lot. You got to kill a lot. Don't. Because if you don't, it'll kill <laughs> it'll, you. It'll overrun. It'll yeah, get overrun. Exactly. There'll be two more. But too as many long animals. as you do, there's so much to eat. There's so much to eat. <laughs> we'll just sell our dried meat. This will be our whole economy. Yeah. So unspoiled by roads or buildings, Oreskos is a land of striking natural beauty where the plains and sky appear to go on forever. Craggy stone formations and ancient ruins dot windswept grasslands and plateaus, shading into scrubby badlands, rocky hills, and unwelcoming mountains. At the sun's height, the grasslands shine like beaten gold, and the sunsets are incomparable. Magnificent storms spread clouds in a rainbow of colors, creating vistas exhilarating to those brave enough to weather them. The hills yield ancient treasures and a bounty of precious metals and stones. And at night, the movements of Nyx are striking, but images of the gods seem to keep their distance from this land where few pay honor. Few pay them honor. And now we're in brief explanation time again. Okay. Because you're probably thinking, what is Nyx? What does any of the things you said just mean? I was, uh, my mind was drifting into like, what if lions were men and this place was real? <laughs> And like walking through it, and like it's so beautiful. Also, like they did, I, I have to kill five things right now, or I'm fucking dead. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I was there, okay, so yeah. So, I, I I was reading along though, but like yeah, like I I fucking separated my mind. Okay, my yeah, you had a moment. All right. <laughs> so I, I'll reread the lessons. At night, the movements of Nyx are striking, but images of the gods seem to keep their distance from this land where few pay them honor. Oh, yeah, I get the last half of the sentence. So, yes, now what, my question is, what is Nyx? Okay, so one of the more unique things about the setting of Theros is this concept of Nyx. So I'm sure you are familiar with the Greek Zodiac. The stars and, co- and constellations were an important part of Greek culture, and thus many of the stories they told about heroes and gods were attributed to the nightly heavenly bodies. Yeah, like okay. Like the hunter Orion and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Um, Theros takes this concept and dials it to a million, 11, whatever. Nyx <laughs> doubles as both the night sky above Theros and an endless plane of existence where the powers of potentiality and belief hold sway. It is the realm of the gods of belief given form of dreams and of rising and fading philosophies. Nyx can be perceived in the night sky with its ever-changing brilliance marked by constellations and cosmic phenomenon. Here the stories of heroes and monsters play out and gods visibly manifest. Basically, a never-ending cosmological slideshow plays at night, every night, across the sky. Anyways, in Oreskos, Nyx still does its thing, but the gods don't show up in Nyx here nearly as much due to their unpopularity with the Leon. And so essentially, like, um, if it was in our world, when did when did Endgame come out? Um, oh my god, this is the wrong question for me. Yeah. 2018? Yeah. We'll say 2018. 2018, our world, let's say Nyx is a real thing. Everyone's talking about Endgame and Infinity War. You're going to see in the night sky that whole year images of Thanos and Iron Man fighting and the Infinity Stones and all this other stuff, right? All the stories people are telling, whatever's going on in the zeitgeist of the minds of the people on this planet, like whatever they believe in, that's what's showing up in the sky. It's fucking Fremont Street. You know what that is? (laughs) 
Yeah, I know what Fremont Street. It's like walking it's down exactly, Hollywood Boulevard. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah kind of. Fremont Street is downtown Las Vegas. There's a giant, yes. the biggest TV in the world, yes. I guess. I don't know. Absolutely. Uh, and yeah. yeah, it literally just plays Whenever pop culture, pop culture shit. all night. Yeah, it's Fremont Street. <laughs> plus like sky. plus like the music of the seventies, mm-hmm. I guess, or whatever they. they yeah, whatever mm-hmm. classic rock. Yeah, exactly. Bullshit they'll put on. Right. Um, right. Yes, it's, it is, is kind of like that. I was going to say, it's like a big liquid LED screen up there. So it's liquid space that reflects okay. the... It's okay. so much more complicated than that. Yeah, because so, it's like the, it's space, but it's also this endless depth where like the powers of use of God... The belief. Yeah, Be- okay. Yeah, yeah. So like... The force it, of will. Right, right. There. So stories okay, okay, about okay. heroes and, 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 and stuff will happen here. Stories about monsters. Stories about monsters that never actually existed, if they're retold enough, will appear here. And if they keep getting told, these things will become real. Oh, no. That's how Nick's works. Some Beholder-style like, stuff. You will see Nick's, like, if you go to the Monster Manual section of the Theros book, at the back, Theros-born, there there are Nick's-born entities all over the place. Oh, wow. Some good, okay. some evil. So the people of the world can yeah. will things accidentally yes, into existence. Yes, and that includes the gods. The gods have been willed into existence. Is that a thing where you have to be careful about story time at your house? Like, we can't all tell I mean, stories about fucking... Yeah, whatever other... monstrosity we we the boogeyman. Let's say we're all telling our kids stories about the boogeyman. Right, you could birth into existence the, the fucking Babadook or whatever. Exactly. You oh could. my god. Um, I'm not sure exactly like how sensitive the whole Nyx born stuff is. I just know the gods are born of Nyx and they're made of the uh, material of Nyx. But also, you can go. Nyx is also a place you can go. It's like a plane of existence. Right. If you yeah. Get you there. Can... You're in the plane of the gods. It's like the astral sea, kind of. Yeah. That's and what. Like, yeah. Each god has their own little domain that you can sail to and all that other stuff. Neat. Um, that's about the limit of my knowledge. So. Okay. I'm yeah. Sure, we'll learn more you know about what? it as the show goes Seems on. Seems like a good place to take a short rest. I need one. My brain. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify is great. They're taking businesses of all sizes, cradling them in their arms, to help them grow by giving them the tools they need. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success at every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dungeoncast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dungeoncast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dungeoncast. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, 
where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Hey everybody, be sure to check out Super, Super Quest, Quest Saga. Saga, a future fantasy 5th edition D&D actual play podcast home brewed and dungeon mastered by yours truly, me, and set in space. And I play in it, along with your special guest Jake and friend of the show, Josh Freeland. You can find it on YouTube, iTunes, or anywhere else you can get your podcasts. Super Quest Saga! We've returned. Indeed we have. Fuck Back yeah. to the plains of Oreskos. I am Lion king it up, except everybody's bipedal. They're it's true. Fucking Absolutely true. getting it. Um, They're so happy. I would happy. like to run a campaign where Leonin and then the elephant people, Loxodons, are in the same setting. That'd be cool. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, like warring for territory. Sure, like uh, World like of that. Warcraft style. That'd be cool. <laughs> um, most non-Leonin will never get to see the beauty of Oreskos. Bummer. The Leonin prides guard their lands fiercely, and without a good reason to be there or a Leonin guide to vouch for one's presence, outsiders are nearly never tolerated and chased away. And, I mean, I wouldn't blame them. This place seems dope as hell. And, like, you can't trust motherfuckers to not take your dope as hell shit. It's dope as hell if you're this lion person, yeah. like <laughs> I think that this it would be a place that, like, let's say the lion people weren't here. Okay. No humanoids exist here. Yeah, and you're uh, you're leading a human set of uh, what are those called? Um, not trailblazers, but pioneers. Yeah, pioneering okay. across the unknown new land, and these hills are full of golden gems, and it's gorgeous and as it's fuck. It's gorgeous as hell, and there's, there's all so this many wildlife gazelles. to learn about, and there's cool monsters to kill. And we killed that magical griffin. property. Yeah, we killed that griffin. Maybe we can kill the next and one. And the gods aren't even watching because no one here believes in them. Like this place is dope. Oh, that's what I was going to ask you about. Yeah. Nix was like, is it? It's per like area. Like it's like so somebody else in a different part of the world will see different things. Apparently, or? to be truthful, all I know about Veros is Leonin and Oresco centered because I haven't looked at anything else yet. Yeah, because if the world is a if the world is a sphere and like you're looking at different parts of space or mm-hmm. Nix, mm-hmm. uh, you know, depending on where you are. Oh, like the, well, this world is specifically not a sphere. It is specifically like a flat. It's a flat circle with, where Time the ocean goes circle. off off the end. It's, uh, neat. Okay, yeah. and then the water, uh, it just evaporates into the into the nothing. Uh huh. Uh huh. And uh, and it, when you're at the edge of the world, you can see out into Nix. Mm, okay. So this is like a floating disc, in surrounded by Nix. I'm just like leaning away from flat earther jokes. Yeah, I'm just I'm okay. just trying right, really moving hard. Moving on, moving on. Uh, a Leonin pride is made up of a close knit uh, several dozen to a few hundred Leonin. Leonin society is an odd blend of geritocracy, matriarchy, and a bit of democracy thrown in. These communities treat every member as family, with all taking equal roles in hunting, cooking, family care, and other daily responsibilities. Status in the tribe typically comes with age and by forming relationships with other members of the community, whether through child rearing, friendships, romances, teaching, or otherwise. Leonin women tend to remain part of their mother's prides, while males often leave to join new prides where they find partners. Okay. So it's it's prides and, like, tribe is, like, a substitute word for that, pretty yeah. much? Yeah. Okay. Councils of matriarchs make decisions for most prides, these leaders rising from amongst the oldest and best respected women of the pride. Mm-hmm. Uh, generally, Leonin communities 
avoid outsiders, particularly armed group of soldiers and champions of the gods. Still, most Leonin... <laughs> fuck that shit. We don't pull that shit here. Yeah, they don't. They fuck your god shit. So most Leonin understand that people aren't their culture, and individuals who prove themselves trustworthy might find gradual acceptance among the prides. Okay. Even so, Leonin prides accept centaurs, minotaurs, and satyrs more readily than unpredictable humans and tritons. For some reason, I have not done research into tritons of theirs, so I'm not positive on what the enmity is there, but they don't like the but fish there people. is some. Okay. They super don't like the tritons. <laughs> you fucking water dwellers. <laughs> you God-believing water-dwelling assholes. I think the Tritons in Theros are, like, particularly super chaotic. Oh. I think that's their deal. Okay. But I don't know that. Fish we can't eat. Fuck you guys. I don't know. Um, okay. and Prize typically occupy dens or mobile tent cities. Um, I don't know what. This reminds me of the giant yurt palace that Yinagu has. Every, everything lion-esque comes back to Yinagu. Okay. Uh, this is yeah. the perfect. It finally came up organically. Somebody was like... Because uh, in that episode, in the Inagu episode, I was like, uh-huh. this is based off of Lion King. And in the comments on YouTube, somebody was like, Lion King is based off Hamlet. I'm like, is, I'm pretty yeah. sure everybody my age knows yeah, that. Yeah, we all know that. And like, they do, they're they literally doing lion shit. Yeah. So it's based off of Lion King. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, I just had to get that no, out no, there. You bet, man. Bet. I'm here. I'm here to hear it. I like um, the Lion King pulls. Let's keep doing them. Yeah, Thank absolutely. Thank you, Theros. Absolutely. <laughs> um. Lean and principally occupy dens or mobile tent cities, or or possibly both at different times of the year. Their dens commonly lie amid the foothills at the edge of Oreskos. Dens are usually comprised of small interconnected networks of underground chambers. Large shared spaces in these dens are typically decorated decorated in rich woven textiles, bone crafts, and rich clay and crystal pottery. The dens are cool in the summers, but Leonin are a sun-loving people and prefer to be outside, even sleeping outdoors whenever weather permits. I don't know why, but these this network of like cool caves with woven textiles and clay and crystal pottery it just sounds like the dopest place to live. It like, does I would sound really cool. like to like have a vacation home. Like here. no wonder they don't like um, they don't like like god believing people yeah, coming in like, like can you imagine our life if fucking, is super dope everyone go away yeah can you imagine if link came here and smashed all your pots oh and he's god. like the fucking champion yeah, of a god yeah and he kind of is a champion of the goddesses he is so, he's a yeah. champion of one particular yeah. goddess he has a religious symbol on his hand yeah so. if he can if link came in here and smashed up all your pots you'd want him to get the fuck out yeah too, absolutely so, so <laughs> numerous herd beasts migrate across the <laughs> during the spring and fall during this time Hunters from nearly every Leonin pride participate in extended expedi- expeditions. In some cases, the entire pride takes part, emptying their dens to journeying across the plains. While on the hunt, prides dwell in lavish tent cities, largely comprised of tents capable of housing whole families. These temporary homes surround, surround brightly colored pavilions where craftspeople turn game into meals, clothing, and materials, honoring their animal neighbors by wasting nothing. While these encampments are obvious and well-supplied, they are also heavily guarded by wary Leonin. As a result, strangers who approach such camps tend to receive cold receptions, mm. which makes sense in, since it seems an easy target for raiders when hunters are out on their hunt. Yeah, it's like secure as a tent, All really. the non-hunters are here, so there's not really good defenders, and it's rich with uh, materials and, and wealth and all this other stuff. Sick pots. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Though the Leonin are mostly nomadic and live in dens and tents, there is a place that is city-like in Oreskos and serves as the default capital for all Leonin, the golden city of Tethmos. Mm, that sounds dope. Okay. Here, stone buildings and slender windmills jut above the plain, their pale colors and metal decorations shimmering in the light and changing colors as the sun moves across the sky. 
Fuck yeah, Theros. I'm loving this. <laughs> yeah, it's really dope, isn't it? Like, it's all this so, stuff's really cool. It's so well described. Yeah. Many Leonin matriarchs and other wise souls retired to Tethmos to share their wisdom with all the prides. In recent years, a few non Leonin traders have been admitted into Tethmos, provoking exaggerated tales of Leonin sages and their golden city. Damn, can you imagine being the, the fucking golden merchant out. that's yeah. like, like, hey, dog, yeah. look what I fucking got out of there. I know yeah. you want them. Go ahead. Here, the first one's free. Go ahead and smash this pot. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Each year on the day of the first full moon after the autumn equinox, matriarchs from all the Leonin prides gather at Tethmos to select a monarch who acts as a representative of the prides in the wider world. This leader is given the Leonin title of Zibinth, which translates roughly to speaker, as the sun rises on the festival day, the Leonin gather to renew packs of friendship. The matriarchs of all the prides hold council during this time. As dusk falls, the council announces a new speaker. A fantastic celebration ensues involving dancing, feasting, singing, public professions of deep feelings, and trading of oaths. Public professions of deep feelings? Yeah. Is that like, I love you guys a lot, I've had a lot to drink, or is it like, we're <sighs> the best lions ever? We stand on two legs. Uh, I think it's the first one. Okay. This is the professions of like, this could be anything from like professional love to like a significant other to like uh, maybe a profession of deep feelings towards your family or your son or that yeah. you're proud of them or, or, or I whatever. I fucking love what you guys have been doing with waste it's removal lately. Really, it's it's been t- sick <laughs> as fuck to not have shit in the streets. Yeah, Good absolutely. job, everybody. Love uh, I you think guys. it's more along the lines of like being open about your feelings with your family and each other, which is Th- healthy. That's a healthy dynamic. Thank you, Lion Man Clyde, for cleaning out your backyard. It was an eyesore. <laughs> it was an eyesore, but now it's not. But look at all those sick pots you found. Okay, <laughs> Traditionally, sweet. Traditionally, <laughs> the speaker reigns for a single year. As the and have grown less isolated, though, they have come to explore greater continuity in their leadership. And the current speaker, Bramaz, has held the office for several years. One of the few men to ever be speaker, he is said to be broad-minded, humble, and determined with a deep connection to the land. He's quick to seek opinions from the matriarchs of the Leon and Prides and often defers to their wisdom. While his focus has largely been within the grasslands borders, he cautiously explores engaging in trade with the human police. No, that's not police. It's police. Yeah, fuck the in, police. Is it polis? I'm not sure how you actually pronounce P-O-L-E-I-S. it. P-O-L-E-I-S. Police. Police. Human cities. Do you even have to hit that S? I don't. Poli. Poli. <laughs> Bramaz sounds smart as fuck, by the way. What? He, Bramaz? Bramaz. Oh, he seems like a fucking excellent leader, doesn't he? He has to be. Like, yeah. look how political he is. Like, I am going to defer to the lion men, uh-huh. always, uh-huh. but I'm fucking awesome also. And they everybody knows it. And they're <laughs> like, hey, he's following he's the- He's voted he's, in multiple years by the same council. Yeah. Because it's not the people who are voting. It's the council. The they're matrix, down. And, and they're they, down with him. He's down with them. Everyone's happy. They need a token human guy to go talk to the humans. <laughs> Right. Okay. Despite the strong unity between Leonin and society, there are still many individual sects of Leonin who follow their own philosophies and lifestyles. Some are even outright rebellious of the society that adheres to the will of the speaker. The Iron Manes are one collection of Leonin prides, and they do not recognize the authority of the speaker. These fearsome warriors live in the foothills of the western Katachthon Mountains. <laughs> Katachthon. Katachthon. Whatever. Acknowledging no authority but their own. The warriors of the tribe stain their fur with rust to declare their status and ornament themselves with claws and small bones taken from defeated opponents. Okay. While intensely territorial, the Iron Man sometimes offer their services as guards or guides, though they generally disdain working for anyone but other Leonin. Numerous Leonin fighters and rangers count themselves as Iron Mains. Some fucking Iron Man Sherpas. <clears throat> Man, Theros uh, and Wizards, you better watch out. Disney's going to come for your ass. <laughs> Iron Man. 
The Sun Guides are another Leonin group detailed in the mythic Odysseys of Theros. They are said to be the true children of Oreskos. The Sun oh. Guides have lived in the grasslands for countless generations. They know the way of Oreskos beasts and seasons better than any. Both mystical and knowledgeable, the Sun Guides read the messages in plant growth and animal migrations and make their place in the natural cycle. Sun Guide prides might f- be found throughout Oreskos, but most orbit the lake known as Sun's Mirror. While these prides sometimes seek their dens during the harshest winters, many will spend years on the open plains. Many druids, monks, rangers, and sorcerers hail from the Sun Guide prides. Fuck yeah. I love this fucking shit. This is my jam. Sun's Mirror? That's amazing. I'm so (laughs) sad that it's taken. Um, This kind of reminded me of uh, Last Airbender. Um, They have Uh those uh, ancient spoilers for Last Airbender. Is that relevant still? Okay, um, I know it's on Netflix again, so maybe, yeah. 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 Um, but in book three, when uh, they go to that, like, ancient, um, like, firebending area, and they mm-hmm. find the old benders there, like, the sun guides. It's like, like oh, yeah. drawing a parallel yeah, yeah, here. Oh, yeah, they do, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> the swift claws are among the greatest hunters of Oreskos. Nice. They're known for their speed and efficiency. Their hunts are known to be among the shortest and most fruitful. And while they're... While their martial prowess earns them respect, it also affords many Leonin more time to share tales and study the lore of their people. As a result, some of the greatest Leonin storytellers and historians number among the Swift Claws. Hmm. Fighters and rogues are also common among Swift Claws, and many bards and wizards come from these prides as well. This is cool. Like, we're fucking rough and tumble, sick hunters, but we're also going to tell you a jam a jam yeah. in bedtime story. Right. And, like, this, I find this interesting, too, because my understanding of how, like, Greek society developed in real life and how Greek philosophy came about was it was one of the first times in human history where people actually had time to actually just sit around and talk Mm. and hang out. And so they discussed ideas. Okay. And that's how Greek philosophy developed. This is very similar to that. That's cool. Yeah. Where they, their needs are met because they're such good hunters that they actually have time to just kind of shoot the shit. These like subtle, um, these subtle weavings in of the mm. Greek, the yeah. Greek uh, mainstays there. Yeah. As I've been taught to them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So mm. finally, Leonin iconoclasts are a form of extremist Leonin. While Leonin don't deny the existence of the gods, most denounce them, believing the deities are more likely to spread doom than peace and bounty. Mm. Some Leonin, known as iconoclasts, devote themselves to thwarting the gods by hunting down their followers and all things born of Nyx that impede on Oreskos and the safety of the Leonin prides. Damn, that implies a lot of stuff. That's a lot of stuff. That's like most of the stuff, actually. Yeah, like, uh, you might not be wrong, though, if, like, bad guys are, <laughs> bad guys are being born from this primordial oh, yeah, they soup are. out there. There's, like, Nyx-born hydras and stuff. It's crazy. And if the gods, you know, since it's so Greek, you know... Yeah. They're probably bastards. Um, I don't know. High potential to High be potential, so. High potential, I don't know. It must be for, because for of this. The leaner are mad because the gods let the archons do what they well, do. Well, yeah, okay, I get you're, like that you're bitter, in. but also it's, it's, are you wrong? You know, like. Yeah, I, from my understanding, I think the the gods of Theros are not quite as capricious as, like, the Greek gods in real mythology. Yeah. But like they're not definitely a, not flawless. There's not a fucking super Zeus out there just fucking wrecking yeah. everybody's shop that he touches. The one that's that kind of closest to Zeus is just, like, a little bit overly self-righteous about his own stuff. Mm. Like, he thinks he's God's gift to man, if you will. His own gift to... Yeah, his, his own <laughs> gift to everybody. His own gift to not God. Yeah, his own gift to, to everyone else. <laughs> okay, Anyways, sure. Uh, any other questions about Leonin before you read me the racial stat block? I want to read you the racial stat block. Right, this has been a good precursory intro into Theros also, I yeah, think. Yeah, I agree. It's kind of... Um, you know, we talked for some reason. We've talked a lot about Theros, but we've it's never talked about what it really is. Yeah, and so I was a little confused. Exactly. This is my new favorite setting. I think it's super fucking cool. It is so cool. I can understand why um, some of the people in our lives are playing 
it now. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so let's get into the Leonin uh, features here. Uh, the ability score increase. You're going to get a uh, plus two to con and a plus one to strength. Uh, Leonin mature in age at about the same rate as humans. Uh, the alignment. So Leonin are going to uh, tend toward good alignment. Um, Leonin who are focused on the pride lean toward lawful good. Uh, Leonin are typically typically over six feet tall with some standing over seven feet tall. Your size is medium. Uh, your base walking speed is 35 feet. That's cool. An extra fiver on there. Yeah. Uh, okay. Also, the lawful good thing makes sense. They do seem like a very lawful people. Sure. They have yeah. a way of doing things and they stick to their ways. Yeah, and fuck Nick's. Uh, <laughs> dark vision. You can see in dim light within 60 feet of you Big as surprise. if it were bright light. And uh, oh, Man, I, I really have a different picture of dark vision now that the flail snail episode is like a thing. <laughs> um, let's see. Claws. Your claws are natural weapons, which you can use to make unarmed strikes. If you hit with them, you deal slashing damage equal to 1d4 plus your strength. That's really cool, you mm-hmm. know, when you're in a weaponless situation. Uh, Hunter's Instincts, you have proficiency in one of the following skills of your choice. Athletics, Intimidation, Perception, or Survival. Very on point. Daunting Roar. Here it is, baby. The big one. (laughs) As a bonus action, you can let out an especially menacing roar. Creatures of your choice within 10 feet of you that can hear you must succeed on a wisdom saving throw or become frightened of you until the end of your next turn. The DC of the save equals eight plus your proficiency bonus plus your constitution modifier. Nice. Once you use this trait, you can't use it again until you finish a short or long rest. So eight being tied to constitution is kind of nice because it doesn't over um, influence you to go like more fighter or caster. Yeah, that's a great score. Everyone wants at least some constitution, so you're probably going to be pretty good. Yeah, your body can hang on to sound waves of that magnitude without exploding. Is so damn impressive. Yeah. So the languages uh, you can speak, read, and write common and Leonin, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. setting specific. uh, Yeah, obviously. obviously, Yeah. Uh, Okay. Well, that's that's it for the the stat block here. Um, That's that that's what you get. You get some cool features here, especially that daunting roar. Mm -hmm. That's pretty unique feature for a race. I would. I would say, um, right? Dragonborn have something similar where you can swap out their dragon breath for dragon fear, and it's very Oh, similar. is that like an optional rule? It's, it's, I mean, it's like it's a, in the player's handbook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can swap it there. It's a variant rule, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of yeah. like where the human variant moves. Exactly. Okay, yeah. okay, okay. So it's not like the... You could do this instead. It's written in there. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. I, I don't know why there's so much debate about the variant stuff. Like, it's in the book. Like, it says it's okay to do it's it. It's because usually the variant stuff, not in this case, but usually the variant stuff is more powerful. Mm-hmm. And thus, it says, ask your DM first. Yeah. And so is this some how you guys want to play? are okay with it. Some aren't. And that's why there's controversy. Yeah, I like it. I like <clears> it. I, I'm okay with playing with that stuff. But the conversation, obviously, yeah, is fine. important. Like, I've, like, the closest I've ever gotten to, like, having a problem with someone being overpowered is Sebastian Crenshaw. But even then, like if I really wanted to take down Sebastian Crenshaw really hard, I will later. Yeah. I mean, we can always design something. There are weaknesses in every character, no matter yes, how powerful exactly. they seem. So yeah. watch out Freeland because mm-hmm. Will's fucking gunning for you. I don't know if you're going to listen to this episode <laughs> or even get this not. deep. He's not, but um, <laughs> I think, I think we can get ready for a long rest. I think I'm just going to shoot him the sound bite. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah let's get ready for the long rest. All right. Hey everybody. Welcome to the long rest where we're building our own custom beholder over the course of the next 10 episodes. Last, or something like that. We're going to build five beholders this year. They're going to be or something um, like that. There are something like that. We're going to, this is going to be inspired by, uh, by one of our patrons. I should actually pull that patron's name up. Um, who suggested this, but let me go into our 
Okay. Um, big shout out to Nick Farrell on uh, on Patreon. Thanks for sending in a suggestion about what to what to do for the end cap. Mm-hmm. Um, last week, I just hit you guys with like some random shit because I wasn't sure what to do. Well, no, this works out because of what we're about to do. What we're about to do, we're gonna build we're gonna build a beholder. So I just want to give credit where credit is due. We're gonna use your idea, Nick Farrell. Um, uh, and we're gonna we're gonna use that as a jumping off point as a foundation for this next great thing, which is we are going to build our own custom beholder here on the Dungeon Cast over the next ten episodes, and uh, its eye beams are going to be inspired by the episode topic. So today, our first eye beam is going to be. Um, a roar beam. A roar beam. A beam that instills you fear with the sound waves coming out of its eyeball. It's going to be an eyeball that opens up like a mouth and shoots out a roar. Yes, exactly. And we're also going to add a feature, our first feature to our beholder, yeah. which it will have a big a mohawk big, of a lion's mane. Yeah, a big golden mane. Uh, oh, like around like, its... Yes, oh. exactly. <laughs> be a big golden mane around yes. its spherical body. This is amazing. Yes. This is what we're talking about before bedtime now. <laughs> So that, that's our first feature, and 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 I I ray power is the uh, is literally the the daunting roar. Yeah. There's a daunting roar I beam on mm-hmm. as our first I beam on. So our it's not really going to be every ten episodes. It's going to be every ten non beholder episodes because during a beholder episode you still have to give us a, befo- a beholder. Fun oh fact. yeah, okay. Yeah. I'll do a beholder fun fact on beholder, beholder episodes, episodes and non beholder episodes. We'll build the yeah. beholder. So we'll have and once we have, we'll have ten, like four. We'll have like four beholders this year. Like that. And yeah, the, once we have ten, we that's will, our first beholder. And we're going to go over all its features and we'll name it and everything. We'll name it and everything. We'll put it in a dungeon. These, Horror, horror show. It'll be a fucking amalgamation of, of crazy <laughs> stuff. And it right. Will's already plotted out our episodes for the year, so, so we yeah. didn't like. It's already been predetermined what yeah. they are. It's just up to us from to, here on out. Yeah, to get clever with. So it. yeah, we have our first beholder feature. Mm-hmm. This is this is fun. I, I can like tell this, this is going to be a fun segment. Um, yeah. So check out Patreon. It's a fucking cool <laughs> place where people can talk to us about our ideas. And we we're doing a lot of dungeon chatting on there, which is yeah, a podcast we do good. as often as we record now. Um, yeah, it's getting there. Every time we're going to drop early episodes, you should be getting a Dungeon Chats, unless I forget. You'll get it eventually. Um, but yeah, it's a uh, it's a podcast where Will and I take you behind the scenes sometimes, or we just talk about our lives, or or something pop culture that we want to talk about. It's not necessarily like the theme of the Dungeon Cast, you know, where right. we just talk about D&D stuff specifically. We are talking about that. We're talking about lots of stuff. That's at five bucks a month, folks. You can get in at the bottom level and get a whole bunch of stuff you're going to get some actual play adventures and everything like that get early episodes like i mentioned before you get them in batches of three they catch up you get another batch of three that sort of thing maybe two depending on what we're doing um you know a patreon exists for you guys to um like have an outlet to support us if that's what you want to do financially and it's super duper helpful to pledge to us on a monthly basis it really helps um, bring mm-hmm. a lot of stability to the show and our lives. So um, thank you guys so much. I know there's uh, the coronavirus is out there rampaging and things are tough. So thanks for still choosing to support us. It's, it means a ton, especially in today's current climate. Um, and yeah, um, also check out Super Quest Saga, our actual play game. Um, that's a lot of fun. You got anything you want to talk about? Um, no, I think you covered all the... the the big big stuff. Yeah, yeah. Super Quest Saga, I guess I'll add to that. Um, if you don't know by now, it's a space adventure. It's like a future fantasy with, you know what? I wrote something really dope a long time ago when I was explaining the, the setting to someone else. I'll have to bring that next time so I can read it here on air. Oh, okay. Because uh, <laughs> I don't have it with me now. All right. But yeah. We played an opera, ad for it at the halfway opera, point. You heard it. Future fantasy. It's getting real epic. A lot of shit's going down. It pulls um, inspiration from 
pretty much every facet of like my fiction reading and uh, consuming life. But a lot of Lovecraft, a lot of Final Fantasy, mm-hmm. a lot of comic books. Isaac Asimov. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's just a name pool. But yeah. <laughs> oh, is it just a name pool? Just a name pool. I thought yeah. maybe you were doing something with the robotics in the show. No, kind of not based really. off of those no, things. No. Uh, there's actually been a few characters named after authors, sci-fi authors. Yeah. yeah. I figured like this guy's a storyteller, not a not a scientist. Like Isaac mm. Asimov. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, but, uh, and like Lovecraft, I was like, okay, well, maybe Will's just drawing on like story, famous storytellers, and not, not especially. But there's yeah. been more than a few sci-fi writers that I've worked their names into. Yeah, it's, they come up. So yeah. I just thought like, and that we do have cyborgs and stuff in the game. Yeah, oh yeah. There's well, do robot- we have cyborgs in the game? Not really. Um, I mean, oh, a couple. Artax. Yeah. And well, no, he's a, he's a robot. A yeah. cyborg is a cybernetic organism. So like he has like uh, a personality. Doctor's on, like a personality. Or I technically, um, freaking uh, Sebastian's a cyborg. Yeah, that's right. We yeah. do have cyborgs in the game. Yeah. Okay. What am I thinking of when it's just a robot? You think like an android? I guess just an android. Yeah, which yeah, yeah Artex is one. Yeah, like Sunny and from also uh, the, iRobot. The freelancers are also yeah, yeah. them. Okay, All right, that's they're enough. robots for sure. Talk a lot of cool week. stuff. We'll see you guys later. All right, bye. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.